to Onesies, the podcast of one season wonders and blunders. My name's Andrew. And my name is Emily. And this season of Onesies, we will be talking about two six-episode sitcoms uh, with Hollywood uh, connection. I mean, you know, Hollywood-ish connections. Uh, The first one we're going to be talking about is Morton and Hayes. Then later this season, we'll be talking about Police Squad. But Morton and Hayes is a 1991 six-episode show uh, starring Kevin Pollack and what's his name? I forgot his name already. Bob Amaral. Bob Amaral, who was a parking attendant before he did this. Um, In a kind of high-concept show from Rob Reiner and his partner, Phil Mishkin, directed by... Reiner's um, Spinal Tap buddies, Christopher Guest, who guest stars, and uh, looks like also what's his face directed some um, Michael McKean. I don't know if he appears in the show, but it ran for six episodes. Oh, Canada Joe Flaherty's in it. He's in the he's in the pilot, the unaired or the pilot that we that we didn't watch. Oh, yes. So apparently there was a pilot in 1990 called Partners in Life that had a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of people. And it was like more complicated. And Rob Reiner was playing a character. And this is playing Rob Reiner. Kind of. I've got a theory about that after our conversation and rewatching it or our very brief conversation about how Rob Reiner has absolutely no charm. That's the one. I mean, have you seen his tweets? Like, mm, he's got good politics, yeah. pretty good yeah. politics, yeah. but has no personality. Like, so yes. So the first episode is called Daffy Ducks. Daffy Dicks. Daffy Dicks, that too. Uh, <laughs> it is a takeoff on a detective story, and it is supposedly from 1941, which I call complete and utter bullshit too. Um, but yeah, it's a, the, the premise is they're rediscovered short comedies from the presumably 40s, and we're going to watch one of them every week on the show, and minus the introduction, they work out to be about 20 minutes, which is long-ish for that, should be more like 15, I think, but anyway, yeah, Daffy Dix, did you find three things to... So this one, uh, as we had talked about, is is a lot different. It's a lot. It's a lot different. So really, I just had like best bits, <laughs> my favorite bits. So I want to talk about the crow, okay. the, the physical comedy, which is all of it, right? And then I want to at the end talk about Reiner as host and okay. what he he might be intending to do. Okay. Uh, I would like, we can talk about fat jokes. Yes. Uh, we can talk about post Jessica Rabbit, Lauren Bacall impressions. <laughs> and we've got the Reiner in there. And then we can talk about, uh, I don't know. Isn't that a naked gun joke? <laughs> um, yeah. So at this point in time, Reiner was coming off of misery. Uh, he'd made it right. Like mm-hmm. he'd been, he'd been breaking out since Stand by Me, and he finally made it with Misery. 
when Harry met Sally, then Princess really Bride, like, right? Princess Bride, right? Like the late 80s to early 90s was the rise of Rob Reiner. Um, and then the mid to late 90s was the fall of Rob Reiner. But uh, <laughs> this would have been at the peak, right? He got his own TV show made. Uh, so Christopher Guest, who directed this episode and, get, and guest stars, he had just come off the big picture. So this was before Guffman sort of redefined Christopher Guest. Okay. But apparently, in the meantime, he had been watching a lot of Naked Gun movies. So the episode starts with uh, Rob Reiner doing the setup. These are 100, they found 100 classic comedies, so they're threatening a six-season run of this. Yeah. They've been restored, which would explain why they look like they were shot on VHS and graded to uh, black and white. And I mean, there's an animal crackers poster on the yeah, wall. Thought that, that was, was cute. That was yeah. fun. Um, so let let's just talk about this Rob Reiner as host thing because I think we see more of him at the beginning than we do at the end. Okay. So his his part in this, um, he introduces the films, and in this particular one, he sets up the idea that they were. I thought it was a funny joke. They're in L.A. They're either demolishing a Sizzlers to put in a new Seven Eleven or they're demolishing a 7-Eleven to put in a new Sizzlers. I thought that was funny. Um, and they come across an old decrepit vault and they discover all of these movies. He talks about how he, as Rob Reiner, the character Rob Reiner in the show, uh, grew up you know, with his father as a classic comedian and grew up watching all of these old movies and da-da-da-da-da. But Morton and Hayes are the best comedy double act he's ever seen. And isn't he so lucky to be able to do this? It reminded me of on AMC, um, uh, what's his name? Um, Os- Os- Robert Osborne, the guy PCM, who used, but yeah, uh, yeah, 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 who used to introduce all of those movies. It that's what I thought he was going for. This on upon second viewing, I was like, oh no, that's what he's doing. It's like he's giving information, but it's kind of charmless. That's kind but of what I. Robert Osborne was charming. I didn't think he was. Mm, okay, Nick Clooney on uh, AMC. Okay. In the nineties, he might have been more charming. I don't know. Um, it's it's concerning. Like it's you're just like we need a all of the family like special just for Archie to make fun of how bad Rob Ryder is at this. Like <laughs> it is incredible because so, so we can just call him Meathead from from here on. Yeah, out. we can just call him Meathead okay. from here on. Great. Okay, but Meathead won't be back till the end. Right. Uh, we cut to the movie. Oh, and that's the other thing about the finding them in the vault. How did Rob Reiner see them? If they existed for Rob Reiner to see on television, they'd be av- some of them would be available then. Yeah. Right. Like anyway, but uh, yes. So we wait. We open in a um, private detective office. Private detective office. So nineteen forty-one. I think the Maltese Falcons forty. So you can kind of say that this is, uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff in this that wouldn't be in anything from 1940 or 1941. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely early. Like they, they, they're, um, they're making it too late in history, I think. Yeah, I think they're doing that. But I also don't think they're thinking about getting around the code but you know what uh Ab- i'm just looking here abbott and costello started making movies in 1940 didn't they mostly do features though 
Yeah, I guess you're right. When did the Three Stooges start? Oh, I don't know. I don't. Cares. I don't. I'm just. You don't like Robert Osborne? I don't like Laurel and Hardy. I don't like Laurel and Hardy either. I don't like so, Abbott and Costello movies. I don't like. Yeah, like like that's not my thing. No, I like Marx the, Brothers. Yeah. I hate Keaton. Three Stooges. I like right. Buster Keaton. Yeah. So we're on the same page with that. But yeah. but I guess my point is they but you're right. They were making features and these are supposed to be too real. Yeah. So yeah. whatever. Rob Reiner is not. I mean, well, that's the other thing about it is that I like Christopher Guest a lot. I think that he's made some great stuff and some really good stuff and some, you know, not so good stuff. But I'd forgotten how bad movie directors were at directing TV shows before they got to multi-camera, DV, whatever. Like, the Quentin Tarantino episode of ER basically looks like an episode of ER, right? Like, there's a little bit more in it. And then ER directors just did that from then on. Like, it's not a big deal to have a movie director direct your network TV thing if it's just going to be a three camera thing. Yeah. So this is, and I mean, it's like, it's guess doesn't have any, like, this is not an homage to 1941 filmmaking, right? Like at bet, I mean, some of the insert shots look like they're from silent movies. Yeah. Right. Like it's yeah. just, and the sets just, and the sets even look like old Marx brothers movies from 10 years before. The, right. Or, they're you the know, huge empty sets from the thirties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, so it's just not, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, the more you're a sort of comedy, uh, classic comedy nerd, the more problems you're going to see in this, yeah. which is not what you want to be going for. Of course, this was at a period in time when most of these old comedies outside probably the Three Stooges would have been very hard to get. Like things like, uh, or they were unrestored, hard to watch, that sort of thing. Because they were yeah. all public domain and they were all shitty and nobody, the French hadn't started paying to restore them. Right. But like at, at this point in time, Harold Lloyd wasn't, Harold Lloyd, who makes very racist movies, very, 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 very racist, lots of racist movies. Um, it was his thing, actually. Um, mm, that's so sad to hear. It's very upsetting. But um or maybe, I mean, whatever. It's it's not upsetting so much about Harold. I mean, what, we don't need to get into it. But anyway. Um, <laughs> you mentioned it. Jesus. I did mention it. I did bring it up. Um, but the issue is that, like, this is not a show for minutiae nerds. Like, no, 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 no. So then who's it for? Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of the thing. Um, I sent you that old, the text of that old LA Times yeah. article where, you know, Kevin Pollack is asking the interviewer, like, so you don't think this is going to be popular, right? Like, you don't think this is coming back. And the guy's like, it's a little, it's a little too niche. It's just a little too, uh, if they made something like this now, it would, I think, go bonkers on a streaming service. I think. Well, yeah, because go- they, they would, they would do the minutia. They'd do the yeah. work. Yeah, they'd do the work. Like, they'd do the work. And they just, I, I there are a lot of what seem like vanity TV shows where you'd have a big director mm-hmm. like Rob Reiner doing his own TV show. You'd have his friends helping out, but it never really added up to anything. Cause it's just like, you know, Steven Spielberg produced Sequest DSV, you know, that didn't make it, that didn't make it a Spielberg TV show. Right. Like yeah. it just, TV was very different then. things didn't translate. Like it just didn't, it just didn't work. And then we can get to the acting. 
So the episode starts with the two guys in their detective office and Eddie is sleeping. And the joke is that, is it, who is it? Morton Chick. Chick can't wake him up. The joke is at first that there's a fly buzzing around and Kevin Pollack is doing this wonderful, like miming looking for this fly and it lands on him and he keeps hitting him with a newspaper to try to kill the fly and misses it. And it doesn't wake him up. Right. And then it is very funny. Uh, And then the, their secretary who's outside of the room and we don't see immediately, says that they have an appointment coming in. They have somebody coming in to see them. And then he can't wake him up. He's trying to wake him up and he can't. So he tries all these little weird tricks and, you know, an old timey alarm clock next to his ear, all of this stuff. Kind of like, think of it as like um, uh, a Bugs Bunny cartoon come to life. Like in any way that that you can try to wake this snoring, sleeping man up, um, he can't. Uh, And then he kind of, sits down at the desk and mentions very quietly a piece of cake. And that gets him up because that he's fat. Cause that goes to one of your, one of your talking points. He's fat and he's going to do a Jackie Gleason impression. And that's basically it. Yeah. Like uh, Kevin Pollack puts in a lot of work on this and at times you could tell, or at least it looks like he's realizing nobody else is. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's a look on his face like, why well, am I working so hard on this? Well, I think Bob Amaral is doing sort of the fat double act yeah. character. So it's not just uh, whoever you just mentioned. It's also whichever the fat one in Laurel and Hardy was, whichever the fat one in uh, Abbott and Costello was. I don't remember how much fun Laurel and Hardy made of the one guy being big. I just watched Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein a while ago, and they I don't remember them making a lot of fat jokes. But it but it turns into like you're fat, so you're clumsy and you're yeah. this and you're that. It's and all so, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, so it's that, all rolled into it. Yeah, there's that subtext in Abbott Costello, but mm-hmm. there's not the actual fat joke like right. this and this. Right. right? Like, and there isn't and there isn't Laurel and Hardy too. Um and I think that's what he's doing in this, is he's just kind of I mean, they mentioned that they're just kind of, they're not doing a, a specific double act. They're just kind of pooling them all and right. putting them, rolling them all into one. Um, and so I think that's part of it. But yes, the cake joke is a fat joke uh, about and how he then, wants to put a bunch of ice cream on it and do this and that and whatever. Yeah. So then the dame comes in, Catherine uh, O'Hara. She's so is, good. Oh. Mm-hmm. You disagree? I disagree oh, with my this God. this part of her performance because she plays twins. Yes. But with this part of her performance, I felt like she was doing somebody a favor in 25 minutes and was on her way out the door. Like I didn't think that at all. I okay. thought she played a really good um I, I I think that that maybe maybe more thought was put into the twin the evil twin character and she just you know picked three qualities of the evil twin and just completely went 180 on those three characteristics and she was quiet and demure and sweet Uh, uh, uh. and um go ahead the other thing but the the thing about it is that she doesn't really get a chance to do anything right she's just she's mostly shot over her shoulder showing showcasing the antics 
and we don't get like appropriate reaction shots for her. Yeah. Like we'll talk about the crow in a second, but first she's like, I'm here because my husband's having an affair. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're adults. We're going to handle this. So then they laugh at that for 45 seconds or something. And she never gets an appropriate reaction shot. Mm-hmm. Like there might be a reaction shot, but she's just like stone face watching them. And then we get your crow bit. So, so he, uh, I still am getting used to the character names. Uh, Eddie Hayes is asked to take notes and he spends the entire interview between Chick and uh, Mimi Van Astor, the wife, looking for a piece of paper and fighting it away from, at the end, he fights, tries to fight it away from a crow, which is just like a puppet. It's like, crow on strings hanging outside the window bobbing up and down uh and he ends up with a scrap of paper that's like a trying like a corner of a piece of paper a tiny little corner and the whole time he didn't get to take notes at all i thought that that was one of my favorite gags there's another gag where he falls up the stairs which i thought was funny later but the the little the whole antics that are going on in the background make me laugh so hard and that fake crow i love a fake animal it makes me so happy I don't know why. Anything that's like a model, like on those old, uh, this is separate, uh, kaiju movies, like when they have a model of like a boat out in the ocean. I yeah. love that. And it gets yeah. blown up. I love that shit. So I'm I'm game for, for any like dumb props that they use, old timey props. It makes me so happy. Are you game for a an impossible Hitchcock reference? Oh, you think that's a, an impossible Hitchcock reference? I mean, we can find out when he said MacGuffin the first time. Yes, he did say MacGuffin. She and says MacGuffin, not, yeah. She, yes. So they're going So they're going to go track down the husband who eats with his mistress every day at the McGuff Inn. Yeah. As in the McGuffin. McGuff Inn. Yeah. Uh, so they go to the MacGuffin. And I, <laughs> yeah, I'm Which like, made me no, laugh. 1941 now and they're going <laughs> to pretend to be swedish professors which i thought i was ready right like that's mark's brothers right they're going to yeah. pretend to be swedish professors no the waiter's like we'll sit you over here because this is where the two the double act private investigators sit yeah you have to sit over there if you're a different kind of pi yeah and it's just kind of like okay if there are three of you then right. you can sit over three there but two private detectives sit here <laughs> And then they have a gag camera mm. that Eddie oh. takes out of his his pants trouser, his trousers, and is like, um, <laughs> he's aiming it, but they can't get the woman to turn her head. This is where we meet Christopher Guest as the husband. There's a gag where he is making the same expression, and he has his hand on his chin, just like in the picture they've in got In the of picture him. they've got of him. That's, that was good. Well, I think that's from Police Academy. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Or not Police yeah. Academy. Uh, Naked Gun. Naked Gun. It yeah, might yeah. even be from Police Squad. So we'll have to see. These these okay. two shows are going to be f- tied together a lot more than I, uh, I thought they would be. <laughs> because this is not Spinal Tap. This is Naked Gun does, you know, yeah. an old movie. Um, so then they start throwing food at her. And this is like where you start to see that Christopher Guest does not have a handle on the direction at all. Like, this should be a funny bit. And instead, it's, we don't even, you know, they're throwing French fries into her hair and she doesn't 
realize. And, and at the end, there are like 25 French fries yeah. stuck in her hair. And it's it's a funny image. Um, and if you think about it, oh, that's a funny concept, but it's not executed very well. No. Except at the end, and I, it's purely Kevin Pollock. I don't think it has anything to do with direction. When he grabs just a handful of them and just chucks them at her head. I thought that was funny. But again, it was just him doing it and not necessarily anything else. Yeah. So he goes over, grabs her head and turns it to the camera. And shocker, it's Catherine O'Hara. Cut back in the office. The first Catherine O'Hara we met is coming in. Mm-hmm. She calls. Doesn't she? she calls. Yeah. She calls and she's like, we want to know what's going on. Oh, that's right. They do the split screen. They do thing the split screen. He looks at her yeah. across yep. the thing. And I'm that's like, another hacky, not hacky necessarily, but done before type of thing. Yeah. Well, it also doesn't really work because yeah. like it's too fast. And like, yeah. you're like, why is he looking? Oh, because he's looking across the yeah. screen where she doesn't acknowledge that they're t- thumbs up, guys. Thumbs up. Uh, Again, another funny bit poorly executed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it's so weirdly. Christopher Guest is so weirdly not good at this. Like, I mean, and again, uh, just you... the timing is just so off. Yeah. But uh, she invites them over. He doesn't want to go because he's like, come on, man, this is bullshit. You were fucking with us, you rich people. There's a thing about, oh no, the rich people thing is later, I think. But he's complaining about the rich people screwing over yeah. the working class, um, which is fine. And so. She offers him $200 to come over, and so they're willing to go. They go over, meet the butler. We get to see the big uh, mansion set. So the butler is played by character actor Ray Burke, who you've probably seen in something. He looks basically like Lobot from uh, Empire Strikes Back, but he's not Lobot. So that's who Ray Burke is, but he's been on... Character actor did stuff as far back as the 70s. I think he's on WKRP, but I didn't scroll down that much. Mm. But he was he was a mater D on Remington Steel. And mm. he was also a he also had a named role later in the series and some other and movies later on, including two naked gun movies. So there we mm, go. Gotta gotta find somebody who can do the timing. So <laughs> they go into the other room where they talk to her. It's kind of like a, they say it's a study and the doctor's in the other, Christopher Guest is in the other study. And so there's a joke about how all these rich people in their studies, there must be a big test coming up. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. That was kind of funny. Like that, well, because, so not Three Stooges, not Abbott Costello, definitely Marx Brothers. I don't know about Laurel and Hardy. I haven't really seen it. But there is a social awareness mm-hmm. to the time period. And so this would have been, I don't know, though, because we were pre-World War II, still sort of struggling through the Depression. Like, if this were accurate, there would be war in Europe talk and things like So there's all sorts of weird shit where it's just like, you guys just needed to spend another two days writing this. Like, Yeah, yeah. Could could you find somebody who at least liked U.S. history or whatever? <laughs> but, okay. So then we get this prolonged thing where Catherine O'Hara is talking about, well, this isn't me. What are you talking about? Blah, blah, wait, hold on. I have an idea of how it could be me, but it's not me. Oh, 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 oh. 
I thought her death. I thought her death scene was kind of funny. I thought the way she did that was funny. I think she's yeah, whatever. I think she's fantastic. I think Catherine O'Hare is fantastic. I don't think she's fantastic in this, and I don't think it's her fault. I think she's pretty good as the evil twin. As as evil twin, she's going to be pretty good. So she drops dead. They leave and get the cops and come back. But the body's gone, and they've only been gone like 15 minutes. And then we meet Christopher Guest for the first time in the house, though the detectives presumably he would have at least met Kevin Pollock in the restaurant. There's no he would would recognize him at least. He was in disguise as a Swedish professor. (laughs) So in walks Catherine O'Hara to tell the cop she's alive. Yeah. And they're like how you're not alive and she's like if i was alive would i be able to do this she does backflips i thought that was funny that is 100 percent a naked gun joke yeah i think that priscilla presley does i think you're right it's very yeah i think you're right it's yeah and at this point i'm just like why are you guys making a naked gun knockoff like what is and by the way, this is not something that would ever happen in a double act, you know, no. detective to real movie from 1941 or 1931 or whenever you want to no. claim it in time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then she invites them to dinner and they've laid out formal wear for them. And so they go to dinner and they're trying to poison them. Yeah, they're trying to poison them with pate. Yes. And Eddie is not interested, and Chick offers it to another fat lady, another fat person in the room. Except the joke isn't that she's fat, it's that she's just like so posh she can tell the difference. You know, she can get get the uh she has the palate for the different flavors in the pate. Yes. Um, but before she can stop describing it, she dies. And Eddie has put his pate in a suit of armor where we see they've stuffed the other, where Christopher or Catherine O'Hara is. Yeah. Christopher O'Hara and Catherine Guest are in this episode. (laughs) Um, And so we, the audience, know that she is indeed dead and not backflipping around with a almost Lauren Bacallish voice that will come through in a bit. I was trying to place it, but you're right. It is Lauren Bacall. I was like, that's not Mae West. Who is that? Yeah. It's, it's it's anachronistic Lauren Bacall post Roger Rabbit too. So it's like, it's like I'm doing Jessica Rabbit who is doing Lauren Bacall. Um, Christopher Guest tries shooting a poison dart at them, Mm -hmm. but the ambassador gets in the way checking on his wife. So they get hit. So now they're going to try to give them champagne or something. Yeah, something in a goblet that's bubbling comically like a yeah. cartoon poison. And then I think there's a line about trying to cut down on poison. Yeah, yeah, that that's his excuse for not drinking it as he said, "Oh, just as um Hayes is Eddie is about to drink his Chick says something like, oh, no, my doctor told me to cut back on poison. And then Hayes being the 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 role, his role in the double act is the idiot who doesn't realize he's an idiot. (laughs) And so he's and kind of sets it down. Um, And then what happens somehow? We get the twin sister explanation. Right. Yeah. 
and then immediately he he gets killed right he explains it mm-hmm. and then almost immediately dies yeah a gun comes out of a painting and shoots yeah um christopher guest and it turns out the butler did it and now we get this bit where the lights keep going off so the twin sister they change clothes between uh morton and hayes and Catherine o'hara light goes off light goes on somebody dies that sort of thing um there's more backflipping when they're they try to literally pull the rug out from under yeah. her and she does a backflip to escape it so that initial backflip scene was just to set up that she could do the backflip so she could escape this in this scene yes and then there's going to be a sword fight out of which i thought was very good that was probably my favorite part of the whole thing it was the comic first of all they're chasing each other around a table for way too long yeah (laughs) and then they have this hilarious sword fight where she's like drinking wine and smoking a cigarette and she's just kind of blasé about it where the other two are ferociously swinging their swords at her i thought that was good i'm not up enough on my what's the name of that fucking guy uh errol flynn but it played like a Douglas Fairbanks silent movie sword fight. So it's yeah. another thing where you're just like, I don't. Well, the other thing about this being a two reeler from the 1940, you wouldn't showcase the guest stars Mm-mm. like this. Mm-mm. We don't actually see very much of Morton and Hayes in this. Yeah. Like they're reactionary to everything, yeah. even the comedy bits. So how do they even stop her? Like, I can't. <laughs> They end up, this was, this was really good. They, they all end up sort of like, they're all sort of getting tired and they decide instead of swishing to stab and they all go into the wall and their swords get stuck into the wall. And then she says something like, oh, it's come down to fisticuffs. And she's got that weird voice and her mouth does weird things that I could never get my mouth to do while she's speaking. And I drop off at that point. I don't remember. They don't actually hit her because they say, you're a woman. We're not going to hit you. <laughs> so I don't know how they 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 stop her. I just watched it, Andrew. <laughs> I've got a note that says apple on head. Three o'clock appointment. Yes, yes, yes. So, so turns out Chick is a master at throwing knives. Starts throwing knives at her and like pins her clothes. To okay. And then uh, Eddie puts an apple on her head and he splits the apple. That's how it ends. Oh, thank you. Oh, yes. The night really very memorable. Um, but it comes I mean, into play again at the end. So with the uh, the cartoonishness of it is also I mean, maybe that's Three stooges but not. They weren't, and none of them were that talented where they actually could do something like that. Not that, not that Kevin Pollack learned to throw knives just right, so he could film the scene, but it, right. yeah, that wasn't part of it. So, and that's basically it. And then it's. So cut to the office. They're reading a newspaper, evil twin jailed, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, and Eddie asks him how he learned when did you learn to throw knives anyway and it's like my uncle was in the circus and he taught me everything i know so he's teaching eddie how to throw knives and eddie accidentally stabs their next their next appointment that's right yeah they kill the next the three o'clock appointment that's and i think the client and i think the punchline after that is oh we better reschedule waka 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 
This would be very funny with Muppets. Um, oh my God. Let's remake imagine? it with Muppets. Remake it with Muppets. Remake oh. it with Muppets. Oh. Okay, and then we get Rob Reiner showing off his fake um, merchandise from Morton and Hayes. Mm-hmm. Hand puppets, mugs, foot pads. And then he starts listing the future episodes. I only wrote down Society Saps, but I assume they're the other ones that we're going to be watching. I don't think they are, actually. I think that might be the joke. Um, um, Because there's like a hundred of them, right? And we're only going to see six. Um, And then at the end, he's doing his spiel and he's like, make sure you buy every single product you saw advertised in the last 30 minutes. I thought that was really funny. Maybe. Oh my goodness! Phil Mishkin was a All in the Family writer. Oh well, it's all coming together. Interesting. Matlock, Morton and Hayes. Matlock. Ooh, Three's a Crowd. I was thinking about we got to do Three's a Crowd. Um, yeah, it's weird. He does not have that extensive a career. Um, yeah, so. Uh, I selected this one because I watched it as a kid. I don't know if this is the one I would have watched or if I watched the original pilot in 90. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think it was this one just because I the black and white seemed familiar, but it would have been, you watch this and you would have been like, well, if you knew anything, you'd just go watch Animal Crackers. <laughs> like. Yeah, right? And so I was probably like, this isn't like Night at the Opera. Why are you watching this? <laughs> um, yeah, so the upon first viewing of this, I wasn't super impressed. But I watched it again this morning, and um, I think I'm settling into it a little bit better. Some of the jokes hit more than they did the first time. Um, I thought it was interesting about that pilot that apparently uh, the network wouldn't let them do it in black and white. So they it was in color. And uh, like, I, I guess Rob Reiner was about to throw his hands up and say, we're not doing this if we can't do it in black and white, because why the hell would you do it in color if it's not realistic? Speaking of the minutia, it's like, why would we do this? <laughs> this black and white, this 1941 feature, if... It, we have to do it in color. Like, I'm not going to do that. Artistically, it makes zero sense. Um, so they they fought for black and white, and the whole season after the pilot is in black and white. So the next episode is called Bride of Mumula. So we're looking at... I um, think that he mentioned that one. Chick and Eddie assist a singer destined to become the bride of a mummy. And the... Um, singer is penelope ann miller she's a guest star michael mckeon guest stars hamilton camp uh, names familiar names familiar he kind of looks like andy griffith but it's not opening um he plays hunchback i'm using finger quotes because i'm sure there's a better word for that um uh, what has he been in it doesn't matter uh eddie murphy's dr doolittle highway to heaven oh no heaven can wait i'm sorry Anyway, there aren't too many. I like this because there aren't too many. Like the IMDb page is pretty, pretty tight. There's nine or 10 people every episode. So I like that. Directed by Christopher Guest, written by Michael McKeon and Christopher Guest and Rob Reiner. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'll like this one better because I do like those old cheesy Mm -hmm. horror horror movies. Well, also it 
it might be that Christopher Guest and Michael McKean write a better script than I mean Rob Reiner's not famous for anything he wrote, right? Yeah. Like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like lots of people, he uh he just got the right scripts. He's famous to me for having to give line by line readings of the script to Wally Sean in Princess Bride. Like Wally could not perform it the way Rob wanted to, so he literally had to read it in the way he wanted it read every single he should have done that with this then that would have been funny (laughs) um okay well i'm really excited to continue i hope it's better i mean i'm enjoying it it's fun i'm surprised my husband hasn't wanted to watch it yet but he was like i know that first one's not very good i'll come back once (laughs) phil mishkin's gone (laughs) it's yeah it's um i don't know turns out we had we had a lot more to say about it than we thought we did have a lot more to say about it than yeah. we thought, but also I think that I don't know if I felt this way after Freaks and Geeks, but I, I think no, because that had like a conclusion that we could like contextualize it that way. But I'm like having Auto Man withdrawals with this where I'm like, this is Auto Man's got a lot more going on. Like I yeah. got a lot. <laughs> well, I was, you know, like I read the wikipedia i I did all this i was kind of hoping it would be more like a spinal tap where there's like interviews mm-hmm. with the old men a little bit more like a well they mention it on the the wikipedia i think as like a similar even though it's not garth Murgy's dark place where it was like you watch the tv show and then there's like a talking head with the actors right. talking about the scenes i was kind of hoping for something like that yeah. but whatever yeah it's yeah kevin pollock's um, no matt barry that's for sure but Eddie, what's his face is no. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, so yeah, I'm I'm not as hopeful as you. But only six episodes. Only six episodes. Only six episodes, and we and... will definitely have more to talk about with Police Squad because there's a lot more going on and a lot more problematic stuff from the Zucker brothers, right? Like, <sighs> we'll have a lot more to talk. About. <laughs> we'll have so much more to talk about. Nobody in this is a Nazi. Yeah. There we go. So, And I don't know about Kevin Pollack. I, I don't follow him anymore, but he, he was the best of the bunch in this. He's a yes. really good straight man. Really yes. great. He's really and great. It, Kevin Pollack never hit, which is sad. But I, And I think he's fantastic. Yes. Everything I've seen him in, he's been fantastic. Yep. And so, it's just, he never, never hit. And it was years of waiting for him to hit. And I think by the time, by the mid nineties, it was clear he was never going to hit. And yeah, but he's he's just this quirky guy and everybody knows him and everybody likes him and he's funny and he does that Christopher Walken impression. Everybody does a fucking Christopher Walken impression, but um, yeah, poor guy. Before we go, let's see. Kevin Pollack. Come on. Come on. What is Kevin Pollack's early unappreciated thing that they should have clearly been enough for him? Oh, right. He was in uh, A Few Good Men a couple years after this, so it did pay off doing this show. He was in um, Usual Suspects. I mean, that's what I know He was in Usual from. Suspects. I feel like that's late for what I'm thinking of, though. What um, would I be? Because he was the son. He was one of the kids. He was the... Sidekick's son in Grumpy Old Men. That was like 90, 152 acting credits. So it's a lot. It's kind of a lot. Kind Grumpy of a old, lot. Grumpy Old Men was 93. 
was it 93? Okay. So he was in Casino, but by that time he was like sort of... He was in L.A. Story. Did you ever see L.A. Story? He was in Avalon was a big one. Avalon. He was in Willow. Okay, so this is actually relatively early in his career. I think Avalon is one of the ones where you're like, why isn't he catching on? Oh, he was in, he was, you know, the likable guy in uh, Indian Summer. He was in... He was he was a bad guy in the whole nine yards, which I am just now remembering. Yeah. In two thousand, that I loved that role. He was playing, I think, some like Russian or Eastern European bad guy. Yeah, played a Schwarzenegger sidekick, but yeah, he just never really because I mean he wasn't willing to do TV. Yeah. So, um, but he did also. He was in Wayne's World too, and they spelled his name wrong, which is oh. yeah, Yikes. that's not cool. But uh, yes, anyway, yes, big Kevin Pollock fan, so I can I can stick it out for the Kevin Pollocks. No okay. worries. He was a voice in Ewoks: The Battle for Endor, but I I'll awesome. said that. <laughs> awesome, great, good for excellent, him. good for him, <laughs> good for him. Okay, okay, well, thanks for sticking with us this time. Uh, we will see you next time for episode two of Morton and Hayes, which is br- the Bride of Mumula. Thank you so much. Bye.